Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. It is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So in kind of rapid fire um, like ways, he's like sown, raised, sown, raised, sown, raised. And he's contrasting what we experience on earth with what we will one day experience in heaven. So he's like, on earth, he goes, we're perishable. He goes, our bodies are frail and they're vulnerable. But in heaven, they'll be strong and indestructible. He goes, on earth, our bodies are dishonorable. All right? And so you think, like, what does that mean? He's saying there are things about our bodies that we're a little bit embarrassed about. Right? Like there are some things that, are, that we naturally have in our human bodies that we're a little bit embarrassed about. For instance, it could be your earwax situation, maybe back hair. Like, what is this? Like, click. Like, some people have carpets. Maybe it's, maybe it's like BO. You've got that random smell, bad breath. Maybe your spouse has like a random, really thick toenail that's kind of jagged. You're like, keep that away from me, honey. Like, I don't want, like, you get in the bed with caution. It's like, those are things that you look at, like, that's not exactly right. That's dishonorable, right? He's saying when we are raised, we will be raised in glory. In other words, there are going to be things we're embarrassed about. Our bodies will be perfect. Nothing will be leaking or out of place. Like, it's going to be just right, all right? And so we will be raised in honor or we will be raised in glory. And, and so then what he, what he unpacks there is he says, look, when, when our bodies raise up from the ground, right, it's going to be completely different than what we experience today. All right. So if you're just to sum up verses 36 through 44, if you're like, what in the world is Paul talking about? Here, here's how I would sum up what he's saying. One day we'll get bodies that are far more glorious than our present ones. Unlike our current bodies, these will be fit for eternity, never again to die or to be limited by the effects of this world. Some theologian has said that if we could see our resurrected bodies today, they would be so glorious that we would be tempted to bow down and worship them. Like one day there is a better body to come. Now look at verse 45. He says, thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, Adam, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, Jesus. He says, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. It's a little bit confusing what he's doing here and why he's talking about Adam and dust and all this stuff. But what's happening is people are looking at the situation and they're asking a question. They're saying, okay, why didn't God just create us perfect in the first place? Why didn't, I mean, like if we're going to one day be raised perfectly, never to experience the effects of like getting sick or getting injured or dying, like it, why didn't God just create us perfect in the first place? If he's really all good and all powerful, then why would he let us experience the pain of what we're currently dealing with? And to that, Paul uses language that brings us back to creation. He's using language that brings us back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And he's saying, look, God's original design was perfect. 
But we came in through the sin of Adam and Eve and through our own rebellion following in their pattern of life, and we broke everything. Everything is twisted up and crooked. Nothing's right anymore. He says, but what Adam and us, what we have broken, Jesus came to fix and to make right through his life, death, and resurrection. In other words, right now, we share in Adam's finite fallen likeness, but we're able to look forward to the day when we'll share the perfect likeness of Christ. Like right now, what we experience is what Adam brought into the world, but one day we can look forward to a day when we'll experience the perfect likeness of Jesus instead. Verse 50 says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What he's doing here is he's, he's summing up what he's been talking about from verses 42 through 49, all right? And when he talks about flesh and blood, that's a Jewish idiom for just a mere mortal, right? And, and so what he's saying here is he's saying, he's saying our current sinful mortal bodies aren't built for heaven. They're incapable and unworthy to coexist with an infinite and holy God. So like what we have right now is not created to exist in God's presence. For us to be in his presence, we have to be remade. We have to be made new. So he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And so people are starting to ask like, okay, so we know that God can and we know that God will make things new, but when is that gonna happen? Like, when will I get to not have my knee hurt? When will I get to sleep and not wake up and be like, what happened to my neck? Like, like when will we just experience what you're talking about? And he says, look, it's gonna happen in an instant when Jesus returns. We don't know when Jesus will come back, but when that trumpet sounds in an instant, whether you're living or whether you're dead, the living will be changed in an instant, the dead will raise in an instant, and we will fully experience the newness that he's been talking about. Then verse 54, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul's doing here is he's comparing death to like the schoolyard bully. He's like, look, death is, is kind of like the schoolyard bully. When you're in elementary school and you have that bully, um, kids walk through the, the elementary school playground with a little bit of fear in their hearts, right? Like for me, it was Doug. I remember 1992, second grade, um, every kid dressed like their mom dressed them. Like JC Penny shirt, t-shirt tucked into like Massimo jean shorts and like you just wore what your mom put on, Fila shoes. Like, and I remember Doug had lines shaved in his head like vanilla ice. And I was like, how does a second grader get lines in his hair? This guy's hardcore. And Doug picked on people constantly. And so one day I'm down by the slide. Like you have the black top up top where you play tag with the girl you like, but you don't tell her that you like her. And you play tetherball and wall ball. Down the hill was like the slide area in a sand pit. I'm, I'm in the sand and I'm digging a hole, like a tunnel, just by the slide, minding my own business. And I look up and here comes Doug. 
Doug is walking with wine shaved in his head, and he's, he's approaching me with his two buddies in a flying V formation, right? You've got a kid with a branch, and the branch kid's just swinging it. And I don't remember what the other kid was doing, probably snapping his fingers. And, uh, and so they're, they're coming at me, and I'm like, what's about to happen? This is, this is about to be bad. And then up the hill, I look up, and I hear this battle cry. And so my buddy Andre had just been jumped by Doug and his hoodlum friends. And so Andre sees me being approached and he's thinking, not Jeff, not Jeff. And so he runs full sprint down this hill, just yelling. And to this day, I don't know how he thought to do this. I'm still impressed. He, he runs up the slide and jumps off halfway up and drop kicks Doug in the chest, like boom, and lights him up. Branch Boy just drops his branch and runs, and Andre takes off after him. And I'm watching Doug gasp for air. And I do the only logical thing that a second grader does I step on his face. <laughs> just step, step on it, and I go play tetherball. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and um, left a Fila imprint on his face. Um, that's what I was like, you want Jordans, and Jordans cost 100 bucks. Your mom's like, I think Michael Jordan wore Fila's in college. You're like, okay. Um, and so left the feel of print. But after that day, the day that Doug was defeated, the, the atmosphere on that playground was different. Like kids walk with this new kind of freedom and this new kind of hope because they know that Doug had met his match, that Doug had been defeated. And so death, you know, before Christ, I mean, we're talking, it's, it's like a billion like knockouts. It's never lost. And then when Jesus shows up, it experiences its black eye. It experiences defeat in the atmosphere for Christians and the way that we walk through life is now different. We now have this freedom and this hope that we know that death is not the end, right? When he talks about the sting, it's this idea of like a, the venomous bite of a, like a, of, a, of a poisonous animal, right? Like, a, like the bite of an animal, the sting, the hurt. And when he talks about that in relation to sin and the law, because when we look at what God has provided for us in his law, we realize that we've all fallen short of perfection. And because of the sin that we've all taken part in, we deserve death and eternal separation from God. We deserve the eternal wrath of God, which is that venomous bite. It's that sting that we deserve in death. But Jesus absorbs the venom on the cross on our behalf so that he can extend to us eternal life in the presence of God's love, mercy, and grace. And because of that, we are now brought into a different way of living. Like we are now given eternal life to be with God the Father in his presence with new bodies in the heavens, in the midst of his glory for all eternity. Right, so, so what do we do for this? Like, what, what does this mean for us today? Right, this whole chapter, which we just unpacked a lot of verses. I don't know if you realize that. We went through a lot. All right, so when you think about this whole chapter, just flip over a page if you've got your Bible. Like, mine starts on page, like, 1156 and ends on, on page 1158. Like, this is a lot of verses, right? What do, we, what do we do with this? What does this mean for us? Well, verse 58, he, he wraps it all up. The therefore. Right? When he says, therefore, in verse 58, he's talking about like, hey, I'm transitioning to the practical application of everything we've talked about in this chapter. So therefore, what's the practical application of verses 1 through 57? He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All right, I'm going to ask you guys to do a little bit of work if you're following with me here, okay? When he says to be steadfast and immovable, he's telling them to stand firm, right? He's saying, look, in light of all of this, stand firm. He, he's saying, do you have a foundation that is solid to stand on? What is that foundation? Flip back to verse one. Verse one, he says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, right? So what's the foundation he's calling them to stand on? The gospel, right? What's the context of this chapter being written? It's that doubts are creeping into the church and they're knocking people off course on the path that they were on. He says, look, when questions and doubts begin to push on your faith, go stand firm on the gospel." Look back and remember the truths of of who Jesus is. Remember who you were before you knew him. Remember what he did to save you. And remember who you now are in light of that, who he has made you. And he says, when you come back to these beautiful truths, that Jesus being fully God and fully man, stepped into history to rescue sinners who were unable to save themselves by dying a sacrificial death on their behalf, the death that we deserved. And that when he raised from the dead, that he was able to offer us eternal life and to give us a new identity that now the most important thing about us is that we are children of God. When you think about that, that fuels your life to do work on behalf of Christ when you are working towards Jesus and his kingdom and those doubts and questions begin to knock you off course, like those are gonna come in and you can wrestle with them, but they don't have to derail you. When you think back to the gospel, it will continue to fuel you for the life that God's called you to, right? So we have to come back to that firm foundation. So what do we do with this? He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When he talks about not in vain, he's saying it's not done passively or half-heartedly. In other words, we work for Christ with purpose. And, and what's the work he's talking about? If we were to back up, and if maybe if you weren't here for these sermons, it's totally fine. But if we were to back up and to look at verses chapters 12, 13, and 14, what Paul unpacks is the work that we're called to. He says, look, every Christian has been gifted by the Spirit of God with talents that are meant to be used to build up the church. We do this because of God's love, not to earn his love, but because we've received it. So we don't work for his love, but from his love. And we use these gifts so that the church is built up. And when the church is built up, darkness is pushed back and God's kingdom moves forward. So we're working to help people know Christ. We're working to know Christ. And we don't do this work half-heartedly. We don't do it passively. And so if we're going to work full-heartedly, here's what we need to do. We need to ask ourselves a question. So here's the question I want you guys to wrestle with today. How are you investing your time, talents, and treasure in response to the eternal life Jesus has given you? How are you investing your time, 
talents, and treasure in response to the eternal life Jesus has given you. You see, when you truly know who Christ is, the natural response is to follow him, which means that if you are following Christ today, every single one of us has a next step. We have a next step towards being like him. We have a next step in investing our lives for his kingdom. And so your next step is gonna be different than mine. Mine's gonna be different than yours. We all have these different next steps. We all have steps. So this is where I would love for us to really, like I don't wanna just give a sermon and then leave and just go get lunch and then do our week. I want us to, to take this with us and do something with it. Like, think about this. If you were to make a list of like your talents, your treasure, right? Your time, what would that look like? Think about like your time, your time. How many hours do we have in a day? 24, right? How many days in a week? Seven. Like, so we've got seven 24-hour periods a week. Now, Lucy and I, my wife, we, we keep a pretty tight budget. And what happens if we go two months without checking in, you know what happens? Without fail, if we go two months without keeping our budget, we, we realized that money was taken out of our savings account and put into our checking account because we went over. Like you spend what you make. We just naturally do that. So if you're not taking note of how you're spending your money, you're just gonna spend it. The same thing happens with our time. And so when you, if you don't take track of like, hey, how am I spending my time? You're gonna spend it all on yourself. So what would it look like for you to budget your time with God's kingdom in mind? To sit there and say like, okay, like, you know, I have this much time that I'm working. I have this much time that I need to be faithful with my family because I have a responsibility there. Like I need to do some self-help stuff, right? Like I need to make sure I'm physically active 30 minutes a day for four days a week to fight depression. Like whatever, whatever it might be, like what would it look like if you said, okay, like I've got three hours here that I wanna budget, that I just wanna be available. Where if someone says, hey, I need help moving, I don't have to move stuff around. It's like, I've been planning on this. I've been budgeting my time for this. Someone says like, hey, my marriage is struggling. Can we just get coffee? Can, I, can you just hear me out? You're like, I've got time for that. The only way that we'll have time to spend is if we are looking at our time and being responsible with it. So what would it look like for you to chart out your week and say like, okay, I don't want to zero budget my calendar. I want to leave some margins to be able to be present for times that God might call me to something, right? When you, when you think about your, your talents, I mean, there are things that you are just naturally good at. There are things that you are naturally good at that God's saying like, hey, that's not by accident. And that when you do those things, you find yourself just going, man, I could do this for the rest of my life. Like I just, I'm good at it and I enjoy it. And he's saying like, man, what would it look like for you to leverage those things? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about at church. I'm not talking about like, our, I'm saying we spend a lot of time outside of the walls of church Monday through Saturday. What does it look like for you to do that throughout the week? A couple of years ago, I remember hearing about a church that every fifth Sunday of the year, they would just close down church and they would leave a sign that said the church has left the building and they would, their, their big push is like, we need to get outside the walls of the church to be the church. And that sounds awesome, but you know what? We're already outside the walls of the church six days a week, right? Like we, we, we don't need to have like a day where we shut it down. We just need to be intentional for the rest of our, our time. So think about like, so what are your talents and how could you use the things you're good at throughout the week for the sake of helping others know Christ. Maybe you're good at math and you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna hang out and mentor a kid in middle school. Maybe the dad's not present or not active. You're like, I'm just gonna hang out with them 
and, um, and I'll help them out with math. God's made me good at math. Like, what would, like you've got a talent there. Or, or maybe it's, it's something totally different. Maybe you're just really good with finances and budgets and, and you've got a friend that's just way off course and you're like, hey, I can help you with that, right? And what about your treasures? And like, this is like, it's so easy just to think finances here, but think like, like I've got a truck. Like I need to constantly remember, like people are like, wait, he doesn't drive a Prius? No, I'm not in a hybrid, okay? Like, like I'm in a truck and I'm from Texas. And, um, and so, but like, I've got a truck. I need to think through when I'm driving. Like, this is not my truck, it's God's truck. I need to constantly remind me of that. If someone says like, hey, could you help me move something? Hey, could you, could I borrow your truck for this? Like, hey, I, there's a piece of furniture in Kingsport I need to pick up. Can I, like, I wanna think through like, hey, that's not mine, that's God's. And so how do I use that? My house, like your house. Could you open it up? Maybe there's a young professional small group that like they're meeting in like a eight by eight living room with a love seat. And they're like, like we've got 13 people in here. It's like, I've got a house. Like I'll open it up and let them meet in my house. Like, I don't, like, like your, that, that your treasures, like your, your possessions, like how could you leverage those? How could you spend them, right? Like, and yes, like I'll say this, like finances, like that's huge. We don't talk about finances a ton here. And every week when I look at the bulletin, I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> like, like, thank you, God. People are giving faithfully. And I'm really thankful for that because we can't do what we do unless people are faithfully giving. All right, so here, here's what I want you to think about. All right, so I would love for you to wrestle with this and to think through this, to list out for yourself. You can, if you're in a small group, I'd encourage you to do this in your small group. If you're gonna go grab lunch with someone after this, I'd encourage you to say like, hey, can we get coffee or do this at lunch? Like, what are your personals? Like, what does your time look like? What are your talents and what are your treasures? And how can you invest them and spend them in response to the eternal life Jesus has given you? So there, there, there's gonna be three ways that you can do this, all right? And this is for each category. So for each category, I want you guys to think, what's your next step? We all have a next step. So for your time, maybe you're moving from nothing to something. Maybe you've lived a life where literally every moment of your week is for you and you alone. So you just need to move from, from, some, from nothing to something. Maybe you're already doing some sporadic things, like just on a whim, you, you might go help someone. Maybe you need to move from something to systematic. You're doing something, but now I need to be really systematic about it. Or maybe you're already being systematic and you need to move from being systematic to sacrificial. The same thing goes for your talents. Maybe you go from doing nothing to something, maybe from something to sacrificial, right? Or something to systematic, and maybe systematic to sacrificial. Same thing with your treasures. Maybe you're doing nothing with your treasures, and it's time to move from nothing to something. Or maybe you're doing something, and it's time to go from something to systematic. Maybe you're already being systematic, and it's time to go from systematic to sacrificial. But we all have a step to take. What's yours? In light of the eternal life Jesus has given us, how are you going to invest the life that he's given you? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ability to, to see the gospel laid out before us. God, we don't wanna just move on from it. We wanna grow deeper into it. And we want to live lives that respond to it. So God, for those of us that are trusting in you, help us to follow you wholeheartedly. Help us to invest all of our lives in response to the eternal life that Christ has made available and given us. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.
we wanna take time to respond to that news. Maybe for you, the first step for you is to put your faith in Christ this morning. You've never done that. And I wanna give you an opportunity to trust Jesus as your savior, to know that without him, you are a sinner and unable to save yourself. The bad news is that you truly deserve his eternal wrath. But the good news is that God has made a way for that to be taken away and for you to know his love for all eternity, to have that life forever and always. So if God's calling you to trust him today, I wanna encourage you to put your faith in him and him alone. Ask him to be your Lord, ask him to forgive you your sins and give your life to him. And if you're a Christian this morning, I wanna encourage you to respond by taking the time to think through how you need to take a step in following Christ in light of the eternal life that he's given you. For those who are trusting in Jesus, I wanna invite you to the tables in the back. We have gluten-free behind the soundboard. We have tables around. And at these tables, you'll find bread and grape juice to remember what it costs for Jesus to give us the life that he's given us, that he died in our place. His body was given for us. His blood was spilt. Let that be good news for you today. There are also baskets next to the communion elements. Those baskets are for two purposes. One, if, if you wanna get behind the mission of Redeemer and help us to do the work we do, you can give financially, but there's no pressure whatsoever. That's also a way to drop in your Connect card. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you wanna take a step today and you're saying, hey, I want Redeemer to get behind me and to pray for me in this. The staff, the elders, and our prayer team would love to partner with you in prayer for that or anything else. You can drop a prayer card there or over in the coffee corner, there's a place for that as well. But wherever you are, this is the time to respond as God leads you. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.